sometimes when we think of reading, we think of it a lot like the solitary person playing a violin in the window while their friends are playing outside. We think of it as a way to pass a sad, rainy day when none of your mm. friends are answering your calls. But today, we're going to break those stereotypes. We are here with a rock star, and we're going to crack a beer with him and talk books. Because reading is about community. It's about people. It flows out of community, and it can flow back into community. And that's what we're trying to do here on What Are You Reading? So with our guest, Eric North, let's raise a beer and crack it open. Eric, thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks, guys. Um, we're recording live at Atlanta Vintage Books uh, out of the metaphysical reading room. So if it sounds like books in here, that's why. <laughs> and we're really excited about our guest today. But first, we wanted to introduce ourselves. We've gotten some feedback online. Some people have left uh, reviews on yeah. iTunes iTunes. Which thank you so much. That was the most unexpected. Like I just went up to try to find a little feed ad or something. I can't remember what I was looking for, but I wasn't looking for reviews and we got some. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and they're great reviews. And one of the comments was we want to know Tim and Ian a little better. And I was like, no, you don't. No, nah, you don't. I don't, know. I don't know about that. Whatever mystery there, let's preserve it. <laughs> yeah, let's keep that. <laughs> But so I did want to give you, I've introduced myself a couple of different ways already on the podcast, and mm -hmm. uh, I want to let you know, there there are a couple of different things I do, a couple of different streams flowing together in my life. One is that I work as a children's and youth uh, ministry director at a local church open table community. It's a really diverse, community-focused mm -hmm. uh, church. <laughs> uh, so I work with students there where we mentor kids from all different walks of life. Mm -hmm. And then my wife and I live off the uh, Shallowford exit near mm -hmm. Buford Highway. And we work with uh, immigrants and the children of immigrants in that neighborhood uh, with the organization Presencia, where we do mentoring and leadership development for the neighborhood. Um, and then through all of those, you know, I'm always reading. I'm always reading whether it's theology, church stuff, uh, immigrant narratives, uh, fiction, you know, mm -hmm. I'm always reading. So that love mm -hmm. has always flown together with all of those different works. But this podcast, for me, the thing that's exciting about it is this sense that I have of the importance of community mm -hmm. and the value of community voices coming together, re being able to reconcile that with my love for reading is just really exciting. And to be able to do it on air and share it with Atlanta, mm -hmm. uh, it just blew my mind when you came up with this idea, Tim. So that's a bit more about who I am, just yeah. so, so y'all know. And uh, this is Tim's idea, so I'll let him introduce himself <laughs> too. Well, no, yeah, I, I like how you brought up the idea of introduce the kind of almost not reintroducing, but kind of giving a little more explanation. Because I feel like we could talk a lot about like our jobs and our positions and what we do, but that really doesn't have a I mean, it's kind of the why we do those jobs and why we are in those positions yeah. that we're doing this. And um, it's, a, it's a long, I'm going to try to keep it really short, but um, my wife and I lived in, in Moscow for a little while and with a very intentional purpose of like finding community and uh, creating relationships and um Something we had, I mean, we had done a little bit in the past, but we didn't really find that within our, necessarily within our, like, local geography, you know, where we were at. And so after coming back from that, coming back to Atlanta, we really felt this desire for that again and to be somewhere where there was a lot going on and a lot we wanted to be involved in. And that kind of took us to the Doraville Shambly area. And that's where we met you. So you're a big part of all this. Met your brother, Eric, who we were going to talk to today. Like a lot just started happening in that, mm -hmm. in that area. And we, we kind of hopped around a little bit. We moved back to Clarkston where my wife was working and then moved back to where we are now, where we're able to um, 
uh, do kind of work with you, Ian. Um, be really involved in the neighborhood. Just keep an open door, you know, yeah. kind of policy for yeah. people in the neighborhood. Be welcoming, but then also, like any great book, we really um, love telling these stories yeah. and uh, being involved in the lives and and also empowering other and equipping other people to tell their stories as well. Yeah, so a little snippet of your life that mm -hmm. I think people might be interested in is a while ago, for the purpose of intentional hospitality, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of cleared out your basement, moved all mm -hmm. your kids upstairs, sort of consolidated all their stuff and put them in those rooms and cleared out uh, the mm -hmm. downstairs space. And uh, the person who moved in with you is a librarian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we're really excited about her being part coming in as part of the community, but it's yeah, thanks to your yeah. hospitality. That's something you guys have always done mm -hmm. uh, intentionally, and I've yeah. appreciated that about you. So, Oh, thanks. Well, it's it's our hope that, like, uh, even I, our, we know our house, you know, we've got three kids. The house is always a disaster, but hopefully people know that if there's any any moment, any time, people can just stop by. That's that's fine, and that's great, and that's kind of, we want that. And um, hopefully, hopefully we communicate that okay, and people are okay with our yeah. disaster but but yeah. if you're a weirdo and you're out there <laughs> listening you know <laughs> ask first <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well okay I'm, anyways <laughs> i'm really excited to introduce our guest you know our re our reading life uh mine and eric's have uh intersected at so many points i mm -hmm. think we both started reading with intent and thought <laughs> sort of at around the same time um we've traveled to a lot of the same places mm -hmm. we've thought a lot about a lot of the same things and we have a lot of similar interests um so eric is the front man for a band frontman producer songwriter instrumentalist multi-instrumentalist excuse <laughs> me um for the band kuya um and so he does that that's a creative outlet and he's also a shoe tech rep for ultra which is just the greatest uh running shoe company we hope to talk about both of those things mm -hmm. and about books but eric welcome to the podcast thank you happy to be here so uh we always kick off our podcast by yeah. talking about what we're currently reading whether it's important or not <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so what are you reading all right, so um, I actually brought them with me today. These are the two that I'm working with right now. The first one is called Blue Highways, um, subtitled A Journey into America. This is by William Least Heat Moon. Hmm. Um, it was written in the 70s. William Least Heat Moon um, is a writer who has covered a lot of different um, travelogues. He's okay. traveled around the country many, many times. Hmm. This first one came after he quit his job and also after his wife wife and him were separated and he travels the entire country in a van which he calls ghost riding interesting and um william least heat moon as you can probably guess from his his name is um part native american huh. and ghost riding is also a, a native american name that he took as well um, I first encountered this book when I was reading Wendell Berry. I'm a huge Wendell Berry fan. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and he referenced Blue Highways as one of the best travelogues of America. So I was like, I got to figure out what this book is mm -hmm. and what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. So I picked it up um, actually here at Atlanta, Atlanta Vintage Books. Um, I picked it up and started reading it. Because of the nature of my job and the travel, um, I switch between reading my hardcover copy, which I have here, and listening to the audiobook mm -hmm. version. Yeah. Just because it's easier to. And I travel a lot. I go through a lot of small towns. 
So essentially, he takes a look at all of the small towns in America. He creates this route. He starts in uh, Missouri, I believe, which is where he's kind of from. And he travels. He, he looks at a map. And in the 70s, a lot of the most common road atlases were, um, were, were constructed in a way that the smallest roads that were not interstates were blue. Interesting. Hence the title yeah. Blue Highways. And he takes huh. a look at names yeah. on the maps. Um, nameless Tennessee is one of the names. <laughs> he picks right. the most interesting names possible, and he goes to those towns and learns what he can about those towns and then wow. moves on. And it's an incredible book. I'm about halfway through that. The other one is James Joyce, A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man, wow. which is his first, oh, yeah. his first major work, um, which is just phenomenal. Um, it contains one of the longest... Uh, Hellfire and Brimstone <laughs> sermons I've ever read outside of uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry yes, God. <laughs> totally true. Yeah, it's it's a frightening book in a lot of ways. And yeah. it, it catalogs his journey through an Irish Catholic upbringing in a really beautiful way. Um, and it sort of chronicles his struggles. It's kind of an autobiographical piece um, in a lot of ways. Um, Stephen Daedalus is yeah. the main off, uh, the main character in the book, and um, I don't know. I thought it was extremely interesting to follow his journey coming up um, as an Irish Catholic and going yeah. to an Irish Catholic school oh. and struggling with those those fire and brimstone type concepts, yeah. as you mentioned. So wow. those are the two books I'm working through right now. That's interesting. So I have an ethical question for you. I track, Ooh. every year I track my reading, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a yeah. piece of paper on the wall and like I write the month <laughs> name down and then just write the books I finish. Mm -hmm. But there's some value in like, in like giving people a sense of how much I read by saying like, well, before I had kids, it was like, I read over a hundred books a year mm -hmm. or now it's like 50. It's been cut basically in half. Mm -hmm. Um, as someone who drives and listens to audiobooks, do you think those count towards your year-end totals? Is it ethically correct to say <laughs> you read a book that you only listen to on Man. audiobook? Ooh, that's a good question. That's tough. I, yeah. I, I'm going to say yes because I'm totally biased. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't exactly have an option. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have tremendous amounts of time at home. Yeah, um, because I do I do work from home when I'm not traveling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and it's difficult to open a book and spend uh, mm -hmm. maybe three or four hours with a book yeah. here yeah. and there. So I I do think um, it's interesting because Blue Highways in particular resounds with me because I travel through these small towns. Sometimes mm. if there's traffic on the road. Google Maps or yeah. Waze will suggest a really efficient route through all of these really interesting tiny towns with really interesting wow. names. There's no fast food chains, and uh, that definitely that definitely yeah. echoes what he's talking about and what he wants to find out about America. So yeah. in that sense, like, yeah, this was perfect. So I'm yeah. gonna have to say it counts. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I count it on Goodreads. <laughs> yeah, I, get which I know you guys are big into. <laughs> yeah, so. we I count it for sure, and and I. It's hard. To, I know I have friends that would disagree with me probably, but I just, I feel like it's, we're taking it in the same way. And I feel like in some ways, like I, I've listened to audiobooks too. And sometimes even if I don't have to listen to an audiobook, I'll get it, especially if it's read by the author. I feel like there's something powerful that comes from that. Uh, just as an example, I read uh, Between the World and Me. Mm -hmm. So I read the book, but then I downloaded the audiobook of ta Coates reading it. And 
um, you get. I feel like there's so much you can get out of both. Yeah. Hearing him recite it, yeah. as well as reading it. So I, I almost feel like it's a, it's a way, another way of taking in a book that it may not be like, officially reading, but it's. Yeah. I think it still counts. You're still, you're right. still getting the information yeah. in a different, unique way. And we might be unanimous on this one, but I also <laughs> think so. And I, I read a like Franz Kafka's America, mm-hmm. which is about like. A stranger coming into America. He mm-hmm. had never been, so mm-hmm. it was totally imagined. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of books where actually I feel like, or if you listen to Marilyn Robinson, right? Mm-hmm. The she is one of my favorite thinkers and writers, and and when I uh, when I listen to her voice mm-hmm. reading her words, it yeah. adds a sort of like she's the most comforting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's a really oh, yeah. comforting yeah. presence. It adds a depth of feeling to the book. So I'm not, yep. I'm not saying that's the only way, but I think yeah. Eric's answer suggests like if the book is right, it counts and yeah. who cares anyway, but I mm-hmm. just was right. just curious. Right. It's a good question. No, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> thing to talk about. I, I... And I'll, I'll echo both of you guys in the sense that like, I think if the author reads the book on the audiobook, mm-hmm. to me, Ooh. I mean, not that, not that this counts a whole lot, mm-hmm. but it legitimizes legitimizes yeah sure the book yeah. a whole lot more and you can hear their inflection yeah. you can hear exactly what the tone of voice yep. is supposed to sound mm-hmm. like so yeah yeah so that's always great yeah wow yeah Good well question. tim what are you reading so i i'm i'm uh, kind of rehashing something we've already talked about in the last uh, couple of podcasts but uh, i just finished a book you you had recommended earlier um story of a new name so it's book two in the um, neapolitan series by elena ferrante and um, I, I feel like anything I say is going to just be a repeating, but um, it was a total, absolute five-star book. Yeah. And just a great kind of continuation of this relationship, of this small community, um, and the, you know, comp- you know after, um, I don't want to give a lot away, but just, just kind of a, a further continuation of their lives as they go into adulthood and what all that entails. And uh, Ferrante has just this beautiful way of capturing all the subtleties of relationships and making it really significant and important and vital in these lives. And it, it means a lot, even though it may just be someone doesn't say it, someone doesn't respond or someone says like this offhand remark. All these things, um, while when you hear it, like it may not sound like much, but she really makes that those subtleties kind of uh, come out and be yeah. significant. And it's a beautiful, like a really beautiful uh, Work. Yeah, cool. Well, I've I had this thought while I was reading the, the the book I finished recently. I was thinking sometimes the so-called great books are called great books mm. because they actually are great books. And I just <laughs> finished reading for the first time. I'm embar- I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, but I just finished <laughs> reading for the first time Don Quixote, and it's just so funny. It it's uh, it has all this meta stuff going on. And when I checked the date, I was like, 1600s? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep. I, thought, I yep. thought, like, the meta-narrative stuff was, like, sort of kicked off in the 50s <laughs> with Donald Duck trying to fight the pencil that was yeah. erasing him in the yeah. cartoons or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this goes way back, and it not only comments on the creation of its own narrative, yeah. but on the translation of that narrative into, you know, into writing and all that stuff. So. Yeah. I, I thought Don Quixote was brilliant, yeah. really mm-hmm. funny, constantly entertaining. I actually, I went to Nepal recently, and I can't sleep on airplanes, and that's like a 30-hour journey, right? Mm-hmm. So I always bring a 1,000-page yeah. book, and I'm like, in the journey alone, I can probably read like eight, 800 pages, um, and then I'll try to read yeah. 200 pages while we're on the ground in Nepal. So I read it 
on the plane over to Nepal, then read some of it while we were in mm-hmm. Nepal, and then I finished the book off on yeah. a plane back. So I read all of it in a really condensed amount of time. Yeah. And it's a great book. It really did kick off the novel. Like, yeah. the novel as we know it today wasn't a thing mm-hmm. until Don Quixote was written. And yeah. so it's really beautiful. And it comments yeah. on all of the literature that preceded it. Yeah. Uh, it works in uh, the sort of culture and intellectual culture of its time. Uh, and makes a very powerful statement yeah. so in a very funny way. So I'm a huge I, fan of that. I don't know. I think I told you because I just started reading it a little while back. And um, had I not known that it was you know written in the early 1600s, it felt like somebody had watched like Monty Python and decided to make <laughs> a book, write a book. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hysterical. And now yeah. it makes sense that uh, someone from Monty Python is has just finished making a film about Like it kind of makes sense. It fits so well because yeah. – Instead of it, it's the other way around. Like, Monty Python was probably inspired a lot by stuff like Don Quixote. Like, that humor, it just feels so, I don't know, it feels so fresh even today. I mean, it's just, I was reading it around people last week and just laughing out loud. And even books that I find funny, oh, don't usually laugh that out was? loud. Yes. Yeah, so. We almost called the hospital. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, uh, I thought you were watching was, like cat memes yeah. or something. <laughs> There's a little bit of that mixed in too, but man, it, it was just a great book and i mean i'm only maybe 200 pages i mean i've got a ways to go but it's it's yeah it's brilliant if it you only fantastic. remember one thing from this podcast remember that you should watch cat memes and read, read Don Quixote Quixote at the same so time true. every chapter just <laughs> so just true. alternates one chapter cat memes one chapter cat memes and i think you'll be in a good good spot mm-hmm. yeah well eric we're really excited to have you yes. here um in the metaphysical reading room of atlanta vintage books uh recording with us I, can i say how this even happened we were um Eric was kind enough to text us and let us know he listened and really liked it. And yeah. almost at the same moment, both Ian and I texted back and said, thanks, when are you going to be on the pod? Like, when are you free? Yeah, in the text chain, there were two texts at the same almost time. Almost simultaneous, <laughs> and I was like, great minds, that's good. <laughs> but Eric, uh, I love how you read, how thoughtfully yeah. you read. And uh, so we talked about kind of two things. One of them was uh, that you're in music, right? You've been making music as Kuya for a while. We've collaborated on an album, and we're working on another album. And then you've written a huge range of songs. Uh, other than that, but do you feel like do you feel like there's a relationship between your reading and how you create mm. music? Absolutely. I mean, I don't I don't often reference directly what I'm reading. Yeah. Um, but what I'm reading influences my interests yeah. definitely um there's very few songs where i like reference things directly that i'm mm-hmm. reading um i think i don't know it's hard to say exactly what is influenced by reading because i've read so many books and i you know so so much poetry and all this stuff so sometimes when i come up with an idea it's hard to say whether or not that came mm-hmm. from a work or that's just inside me but it definitely informs my my music for yeah sure. that's awesome i do know on your um when when i am away uh the second to most recent uh album you released uh there's a track of wallace stegner reading yes. from his wilderness letter and i think that like f- sort of there's a family of writers you mentioned wendell berry earlier and i've heard wallace stegner in your music what sort of draws you to those guys mm-hmm <laughs> I mean, this ties in pretty closely with my love for running as well. Um, and maybe we'll get to that later. But my love for running... No, we might run out of time. <laughs> we might run out of time. <laughs> it's kidding. a long story. <laughs> my love for running definitely stems out of a desire to explore the local geography where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Especially wilderness or nature of some kind. Yeah. 
Um, and so I was reading Wendell Berry. I was reading Wallace Stegner. Um, and so this song that you referenced, Geography of Hope, is is uh, is the source of a, a sound clip that I pulled and sampled um, from Wallace Stegner's Wilderness Letter. Um, and it's this incredible letter that he wrote, and he actually reads it on this video that I found um, appealing to wilderness as this this concept of of being essential to who we are as an American people. And wilderness has always been important to Americans and it's always been foundational to who we are, to having this incredible space that we live in. So, I don't know, I love being outside. Um, I love camping, I love running, hiking, all of that. And something about being in, um, being in nature and being involved in it and interacting with it in the physical space I feel like it's incredibly healthy to my well-being and and totally fuels me in every other way. It's it's refreshing in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, that was what that song was about. Yeah, what writers kind of tap into that for you? I mean, you know, I, I, I took a lot from um, Wallace Stegner's students, two of which mm -hmm. were incredibly influential artists to me and, and authors, um, Wendell Berry, as I referenced, and then also Edward Abbey. Mm. Abby's kind of like a, he's kind of like a guilty pleasure in a way <laughs> yeah. because he's totally unhinged. He holds nothing back in, in all of his works. He yeah. says exactly what he thinks. He's an anarchist. Um, um, and all of his stuff is incredibly passionate towards preserving wilderness. Yeah. Um, and he's not interested in making it palatable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's a punk. Yeah. yeah. Right. Edward Abbey is punk. Desert <laughs> punk. Like, if you're going to, uh, yes. if you want to correlate this to literature or or correlate this to uh, music, sorry, um, he is definitely a punk in a yeah. lot of ways. He is completely against the system, and I totally don't agree with everything he says, obviously. But his stories are so, um, they're so interesting to me because he just he just lets it all mm -hmm. hang out. Right, like yeah. he says exactly yeah. what he what he wants to say. I love it. Um, so, so Abby definitely informs. Um, <laughs> it's funny to say, but he definitely informs my running, as well as my music. Yeah, That's and right. so I think we should we should talk about running. We should move straight yeah. into that because I'm a hu I'm a hu huge running enthusiast. I'm super slow, so I'm like <laughs> I'm not quick to identify as a runner. <laughs> but we're both part of this like tribe of runners who like craft beers and run weird routes and like to see the landscape. Um, the Yeti trail runners we're part of sort of loosely, right? right. <laughs> we wear the hat. And so <laughs> I think uh, I think also there's something about trail running that's a little different culturally from like mainstream mm -hmm. running culture, right? You're wearing, I mean, people can't see, so I'm going to paint the picture here. <laughs> Eric is wearing some jeans rolled up and he's got a, uh, a trucker hat on some long hair, <laughs> you know, he's not, he, you don't look at him and think like this guy runs really fast. <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> I gave up on that a long time ago. Yeah, but there's sort of an art to the culture of trail running. Yeah, um, yeah. It is a little bit anarchist, right? It, it's rogue, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. everything about, like, the, the diehard trail running culture is rogue. Um, we generally don't keep track of splits 
We mm-hmm. generally don't care how fast we're running. Yeah. We just want to be where we are. We want to be fully engaged in the landscape that we're exploring yeah. at the yeah. time. Um, and we want to do it for a long time. And generally, yeah. this is this is general statement, but we don't really care how fast we're running. We just want to be out there. Yeah. It's more about the presence in mm-hmm. the nature, in, yeah. on the trails, exploring yeah. the the geography yeah there was one one we actually i think i think you ran to maybe not, i can't i feel so bad i can't remember the stump jump like 2013 yeah, it was, I was like years at ago the time so I wasn't okay that's right yeah but uh i remember that being like obviously we were there to run but this trail i mean it was almost a half marathon and i feel like there was never a like a dull moment as to what we could observe what we could be a part of like there were so many unique and interesting vistas and like overlooks i mean it was almost like almost the entire trip i was almost like both crying in pain and crying from like <laughs> what i could see it's like so it beautiful. was it's so beautiful and my leg is killing like it was it was gorgeous and i feel like part of it is like obviously you need to stay in shape yeah. you need to run but then there's this other aspect of it where like just to be out there and uh, this be another way to witness creation is just it's incredible. I think of most race registrations that mm-hmm. I make as tours. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not super concerned about the race itself. Yeah. I just I want to be able to tour mm-hmm. a location and also have aid stations every five miles <laughs> yeah. so I don't run out of food yeah. and water. <laughs> So it's yeah. a really simple yeah. thing, but I just, I want to see this place. And that's yeah. the important thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk running books real quick. Okay. We've read some of the same ones. So the thing that got me into running was a book called Born to Run. Yeah. And I think like, I think like it misrepresented a bunch of things. Like I, yeah. when I read that book, I got the impression that I could just take off my shoes and lean forward <laughs> and run a hundred miles. Yeah. That's the impression. It's a great yeah, book, it's, like it, a great adventure narrative. It makes it sound really easy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it makes it it sort of like makes some promises that as an experienced runner now, I don't think those delivered. Right. I think I think Born to Run influence I I was reading a bunch of interviews recently of of uh phenomenal elite athletes and a lot of them like cite that especially the younger ones cite born to run as an a a very important influence in their running life Mm -hmm. um and i think because it sparked imagination Mm -hmm. and i think that's important even though the book maybe was like (laughs) hyperbolizing a lot of the like potentials (laughs) of running um but I didn't really care because it inspired me. Like, I yeah. didn't care about yeah. the facts all that much because I was just super excited to go out and try this and see how far I can go. Yeah. So I think Born to Run was was hugely influential. Um, I was training for a race last fall and read Scott Jurek's Eat and Run. Mm. Scott Jurek, for those of you who don't know, maybe, um, is an incredible ultramarathoner, one of the most legendary in the United States. And he wrote this book about his journey running um, and how it ties into nutrition as well. Mm-hmm. But it was just really inspiring to see his love for the sport. Um, that was another one that I listened to. So another nice. audiobook plug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My apologies. No. It's not the same as like actually flipping the pages in a physical book. But what was that called again? Eat and Run? Eat and Run Eat and by run. Scott Jurek. Okay. Yeah, it was an amazing book. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, those two, I think, were the most the most important for me. There's mm-hmm. one other one I would like to reference, um, Running with the Buffaloes. That's actually my favorite running book, yeah. although it's not the most artfully written. Yeah, it's not the most palatable book for most non-runners um, because it, it, 
it's very fact-based. It, mm. it talks about um, the University of Colorado's um, cross-country team mm. um, in the 90s, I believe. And it talks about, um, <laughs> like it mentions their splits, it mentions their times, which might not be that interesting to the non-runner. Um, but it also it also talks about how running brings people together and how it yeah. how it how you can build a team how you can build community among runners and how nice. like suffering together <laughs> can be a really joyful thing. So I like that book yeah. a lot. That's a good one. Yeah, it sort of inspired me. We're Eric. We're running as part of a team with a bunch of our neighbors here from uh, along Buford Highway. Uh, some people we've mentored as kids, or we met uh, after they graduated from high school. And we are really excited about trails, so we put together this little team to run a 100-mile relay um, up at Cloudland Canyon. So we're calling it 100 Miles for the Neighborhood. But I think that book was part of it. Like, there's something about running together in relationship. And it's like running is a bit like reading in that like, there's, a, there's an idea of it as a solitary activity. Mm-hmm. And I do it for the solitude a lot of times. Like, I used to do it to get away from the neighborhood. Yeah. That's the honest truth. Like I was stressed out being around all this noise all the time and just getting out on a trail and getting away from it was this really nice thing. So I'd do it to get away from the neighborhood and to be alone. And then eventually I started thinking, man, like if I could bring uh, kids from the neighborhood or uh, friends who live along Buford Highway on this journey with me, I should. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been, it's doubled my joy in doing it uh but um, it was a shift in thinking to from solitude to community. And balancing those things is always tricky. Yeah, I was about to say, I think, like, running, like you said, has always been a sort of solitary thing. But I think there's enormous benefits to anybody who runs if they, if they figure out ways to make it a, a mm-hmm. team thing where you incorporate relationships and you can build that way. It's mm-hmm. so powerful. Um, and so that's that's one of the reasons I like signing up for races and running races with friends, especially, or family with you. Yeah, <laughs> of course. We ran our first uh, ultra marathon together. That's correct. Yeah. So I think I think I don't know. I, people think of it as a solitary sport, but I think it's definitely a team sport. And like anybody who runs, anybody who's an elite athlete, especially, they need people around them. Even though on race day they're alone most of the time, unless you have a pacer in the longer races, they need people. They need coaches. They need um, significant others mm-hmm. to support them. They need people to train with them and all of that. So I think it's it's one of the best sports for encouraging relationship, in my opinion. I because feel that way too, you don't, yeah. you don't always have this massive team with you. Mm-hmm. You have uh, maybe one or two people, and you can really focus on those people. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have my lifelong best friend Jeremy Anderson. So I'm I'm attempting my well, I've I've attempted a 50-miler before in Arizona, like right on the border of Mexico. Um and I bonked like really really badly and my knee was like in awful shape, so I had to drop out of that one. So this year I'm going back to the 50-mile distance and I'm attempting it. But I've called my friends to come do something called crewing. I've uh, I've called my friends to crew for me and my lifelong best friend Jeremy Anderson is going to be at the like uh, 30-something mile aid station cooking bacon in a pan for me. So I can eat some <laughs> bacon before Nothing I finish. Nothing better. Nothing better. <laughs> 
So one thing we talk about, Eric, we grew up in the same family, right? And and I remember, I don't know if you were born when this happened. You're six years younger than me. So I don't know if you were born yet, but I do remember like seven. Okay. Seven. <laughs> I stand corrected. We'll cut that out in post. Um, uh, I remember like laying down on the floor of mom and dad's bedroom while dad read through the Chronicles of Narnia for us and so we had a reading family although all the things we read were within a sort of like um within a sort of like world of evangelical christian approved sure literature but that reading really dug in deep i was going to ask like do you have an experience early on in life that sort of clued you into the power of reading like what did little eric (laughs) <laughs> what blew little, little Eric's Eric. mind? And it could have happened in college. You, uh, like, you were small then, too. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> what clued you into the power of what reading could do? I think I'm about a quarter of an inch taller than you at this point. We both shot just shy of I'm six really, feet. I'm so. really glad this is an audio podcast, guys, so we'll, we'll never know for sure. <laughs> okay, so I don't know. I mean, definitely, like, the, the bedtime stories thing that we both experienced um was hugely influential i remember um i remember later on in um i think close to high school age whenever i was home i was in a boarding school in high school yeah so i was away from home but whenever i was back we would read books together my dad would read um and my mom and i would be there listening um and we read everything from from sci-fi to fiction to non-fiction and I just com- got completely wrapped up in those stories um, but I think in terms of the the individual sitting down with a book and looking at a book and spending maybe two to three hours with a book alone in a quiet room with no distractions I remember reading this might sound a little funny yeah. Louis L'Amour Oh no! Right. Oh, so, yeah. so our dad had um, a collection of maybe like twenty to twenty-five Louis L'Amour paperbacks. Each of them maybe one hundred to one twenty pages. Um, and one summer, right before my ninth grade year of high of high school, um, I read through all of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I remember reading a book a day. I would just lay on oh, my man. bed, holding the book up in front of me, and blowing through all of Dad's Louis L'Amour collections and most of them are the same story (laughs) yeah let's be honest most of them are this sort of lone ranger sort of thing Mm -hmm. um it's this guy who's independent and he's incredibly strong and he's really good with the gun and that was super fun um and i just remember blowing through 20 to 25 books of louis l'amour and that's when i realized that this 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 act of sitting alone in a quiet room focusing on something and getting sucked into a story was really powerful to me. And in that case, it was escapism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but further on, it was it was a way of getting out of your own head for me, which I think yeah. is really important for a lot of people to do. And, yeah. and and getting wrapped up in somebody else's story. So that was that was kind of the first the yeah. first really really strong moment where I felt my love for reading sort of uh, growing. Wow. And here's an interesting side note that I found out recently is that Louis L'Amour's first published book was a poetry collection. Really? Yeah. Ooh, I didn't know he that. He had written a bunch of poems. I haven't wow. read them. 
I can't vouch for them. I'm not recommending <laughs> any of our listeners read them, but that's how he that's how he started. He wrote these poems. I'm guessing they're like elegies to the land or or Wild West kind of things. But uh, uh, yeah, he's got a start on a wow. poetry. That's awesome. <laughs> how about you, Tim? What was the first thing you ever uh, read that kind I'm of clued you so... in? <laughs> you guys, I'm really embarrassed to admit this, but I can't believe I still remember this book to this day. The first book, I was in first grade. And uh, have you guys, you probably have read this before. Um, <laughs> Are You My Mother? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Um, so it's about, you know, obviously this bird. It's a bird whose mom is not there. And it goes around. It's asking different things. Are you my mother? And by the end, it's like, oh, this is not good. And it was the first book I read where there was conflict. A yeah. bird is missing its family. Which, I mean, and it doesn't cover this in the, dun, in the dun, kids' dun. book. In the illustrator, it doesn't cover it. But like, basically, like, okay, if this happens for a prolonged amount of time, this bird's going to die. You know, there's like an amount of danger. It's a small amount of danger. I'm missing my mom, who's the provider of everything, you know, my food. And so there's a story to it. There's a narrative. But there's also like this conflict, this, oh, my goodness, if I don't, if you don't complete this trek, if you don't find what you're looking for, it could be very bad. And so I don't know, something about that as a kid, I just was totally so I didn't actually own the book at home but at school we had it and I would read it like every day and then that just kind of like bloomed and like anything like that book I wanted to read and then just from there like through elementary school like I just I would remember going to the library and checking out like 20 kids books and then going home and like trying to read all of them as quickly as possible but like it, it would kind of evolve over time but like I just I remember that being the first book where it's gonna sound, I mean, it sounds weird, but like the whole idea of the story, and I was really concerned. I wanted this bird to find its mom. I was so, anyways, I've talked way too much about how, uh, are you my mother? But that was, I just remember that being the first book where I just, I just, uh, I can't get up. So we have like a couple copies. One I'm giving away, but like we have one at home, and I, I love reading. I don't do it a lot, but every once in a while I'm reading that to the kids. It's a lot of fun. So it's amazing how kids' stories sometimes can like, sh- like just completely capture your heart. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like take you in, and mm-hmm. you're like, that's why I was so struck by this when I was yeah. little because it's actually important. And when mm-hmm. I revisit it when I'm an adult, I'm like, this is, this is really like heavy. Yeah. This yeah. is heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. As a father of children, I know Hop on Pop has new significance. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> All right. Well. <laughs> no, Eric, no, no, too. Eric, where can people hear your music if they're interested in the uh, interested in mm. hearing more of your work and and uh, catching that online? Where can they hear your music? Yeah, so there's a couple different places. Um, iTunes. Uh, the artist is Kuya, K-U-Y-A, and Spotify as well. Um, Google Play, Amazon uh, Music as well. Occasionally, I will post stuff a little bit early on SoundCloud mm. as Kuya as well. Um, this is kind of a platform that I use to gauge interest um, and sort of get feedback on a work before I put it on iTunes or Spotify as well. Um, so yeah, those two those two places. Interestingly enough, on iTunes or Spotify, there is another Kuya. And because we have the exact same name, we're lumped into the same thing. And so, oh, no. so if you look up Kuya, you'll see like 20 albums. So by the other Kuya is also electronic, but it's it's more so. 
So if you're listening to something and it's it's too electronic, <laughs> right. look for the other Kuya who has a little if bit the, of rock and roll If the beats are too fat, it's probably the other Kuya. Um, but the two albums that I have on iTunes and Spotify right now are When I Am Away, mm-hmm. which okay. is a full-length album, and then Neighborhood, which actually Ian and I co-wrote together. Ian put the lyrics um, to that one. Yeah. And, uh, and it was music. it was all stories that we sort of picked up on from working in the neighborhood. So they're mm. like the stories of kids we know and work with. And it's all from this sort of uh, perspective of we're making an inquiry into the neighborhood. We're mm-hmm. asking um, yeah. what experiences are like. So that's yeah. what that. That's awesome. Is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's man. I, there's nothing like working with somebody else's lyrics that is really passionate about what they're writing. Yeah. And I felt that with Ian, Ian's lyrics as well. And I'll give a huge shout out to him. Like working with lyrics um, that tell stories in such a vivid, um, uh, sort of a capturing way, was so much fun because I got to I got to focus on the music and interpreting the story that he was telling um, as accurate accurately as possible. So, in that sense, yeah, Neighborhood is one of my favorite projects. We're working on a Neighborhood too right now as well. Yeah. Um, which might be out later in the year as well um, to try and try and communicate these stories of people in the neighborhood here in uh, Chambly. Dorville. Yeah, so we've gone back in and out of this idea of solitude and reading and writing are two things that we think of as solitary. But a great, for me, one of the best experiences I've had as a writer is to write something and then give it away to mm-hmm. a musician and hear it come back to me as something completely different. I actually love that collaboration. So the writing of the story is solitary. I mean, you get the story in community, Mm -hmm. and then you write it in solitude, and then you pass it on to community and get it back as something much richer. So I've really enjoyed that process. Yeah, Yeah. I I would totally agree with that. Most of my music uh, endeavors have been just me and a guitar and a laptop and being completely secluded and trying to come up with everything all on my own. So it's really nice to invite people into that process mm-hmm. um, and, and be a part of it and get other people's influence into into my art, air quotes, art. <laughs> Just um, for those of you at home. Those of you who, who don't see, see this. Air quotes. I'm making little bunny ears <laughs> with my fingers. Um, so yeah, it's it's really, really special. And I think, I think it's super important to bring people into your art, no matter what you do. Yeah. Um, writing, music, everything. Bring people in, have them contribute, yeah. that kind of thing. And that's one thing I loved about kind of a small community of ours where there's so many people that I know. I'm really fortunate to have a lot of talented people in my life. So there's great writing, great music, great everything. And to bring it all together and to kind of talk about it and work through it together, is, it's been really... Uh, heartening to me and it's been one of those things where now i'm more comfortable to share that art and um it's been a pretty great experience it's been wonderful yeah and actually this conversation has been great to share yeah. and yeah. We'll walk back over some of the things we've experienced together and separately yeah. in mm-hmm. reading so eric thanks a lot for being yeah. here uh tim thanks for the yeah. idea of uh of doing this whole podcast it's been oh. a wild ride so far <laughs> Well, we just want to thank you guys so much for uh, for listening. And as always, if you want to connect with us, uh, just visit our website, whatareyoureadingpodcast.com, and there you can find links to our Facebook page, our Goodreads group, which is great because you'll be able to see all the books we've mentioned 
um, there in a little bookshelf. So if you want to read, um, and we already have a decent amount, maybe 15 or so members there. Yeah. And so uh, also in terms of pure quantity, Eric, I want to thank you because you've mentioned more specific oh books than yeah. any of our past guests have. I got a couple have. pages. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is great. And so, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to try to focus a little more in the future on Goodreads and start conversation. I know not really much is happening there, but, um, I think that could be a really fun place to start conversations about books kind of in community. Like we're talking about here in this podcast, like a lot of the reason I, I want to do the podcast is also opened up to the audience in the sense of like find other ways to 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 dialogue with us and so i think goodreads is a great place for that um, but yeah you'll be able to find all the links there you can find us on itunes soundcloud any sort of podcast app you're using and uh thanks again for the reviews by the way on itunes it was pretty it was very encouraging that day to find that because Keep I them was, coming, yeah 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 <laughs> don't stop don't stop we're not we're not content yet i'm just, <laughs> just kidding anyways but uh thank you for all that and uh yeah find a way to get in touch we'd love to hear from you yeah, and we'd also like to thank Atlanta Vintage Books. If you uh, come in here to shop for books because you listen to this podcast, just make sure you mention that Tim and Ian sent you, and they will give you a 10% discount mm-hmm. uh, off of your purchase. But you have to say Tim and Ian sent you, so yeah. do that. And each week we do a, we do a sort of book of the week. Yeah. Even though we've been releasing these podcasts bi-weekly, yeah. <laughs> we're calling it the book of the week. So we assume you're reading mm-hmm. whatever else you're reading the other week. <laughs> um, this this week's book, there's a radical literature section downstairs, which has a lot of great material on uh, community organizing, mm-hmm. on protest, on different workers' movements throughout history. Like, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of good uh, literature about radical politics down there. And one I picked up, Uh, particularly because of its relevance to this neighborhood, is called Presente. And it's each essay that appears in this book appears in both Spanish and in English. And I'm learning Spanish. Tim, you are too, right? Yes. So we're learning Spanish, and it's it's a good chance for me to read something in English and also uh, to read something in the language I'm learning. But Presente is about uh, the struggle for immigrant rights in America Mm -hmm. um, from the perspective of... Uh, the people who are oppressed and yeah. who rebelled against the system on that. So mm-hmm. um, you may not agree with everything that's in the book, but it's really exciting and a rich yeah. experience to not only be learning a language or to speak it as a second language, but also to uh, really dive into the perspectives of the people who speak that language. So Presente, look for it downstairs. Yeah. It's published by AK Press, which mm-hmm. is an anarchist press. Um so that's our yeah. book of the week. And, and this is a serious one, too. In the past uh, few episodes, we've kind of uh, done any books we found that kind of have amused us, we've mentioned. Yeah. And I think every once in a while, we'll probably pepper in some books that we really find to be actually really fascinating. And so this is a serious one. So we seriously encourage you to uh, to check it out. And uh, um, I'm really excited to, to start reading this as well. All right. We want to thank Eric uh, for being here, uh, for talking with us. It's been a great conversation. Um, Instead of doing a book quote today, we just decided to have Eric play you a song. So take it away, Eric. I've been watered under bridges flowing, flowing Washed mouths of seas and ditches growing, growing Bearing countless soaking pictures so deep, so deep 
warped and pale in time, swift river fading. In my rushing, raging waters, I see, I see stones would drop, erode in pieces, crumbling, crumbling from the bridge. They all stay with me, time, time, deep inside. My memory's tissue buried mm -hmm. In the dream I caught a winged joy So sweet, so sweet Snatched him while he fell for my ploy Singing, singing By love I claimed him for the keeping Keeping By love I claimed him for myself Watch the joy within the birdcage die, die, crash and shake and mourn for good days, weeping, weeping, uncage the bird and let that joy fly high.